all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. That was my special 101st episode. Hello. Very nice. Very nice. We are in the middle, the literal middle, of our three-parter on HIV and AIDS. And this episode is going, I'm subtitling it, Epidemic. Last week it was Origins. Uh, yes. This week it's Epidemic. It certainly becomes that. Yes. And uh, next week, I think the episode, I think I'm going to call part three Hope. Okay. That's my... Hope and change? No, just I'm, single. I'm kidding. No, what was kidding. that from? Is That's that Obama's? Obama. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I knew Hope was. I guess I didn't know that it was Hope and Change. <laughs> I was not super politically aware during the 2008 election campaign. I, I honestly wasn't either, but that was like the, like that slogan was just kind of everywhere. I remember the poster. Mm-hmm. That just said hope. It did. Yeah, that I remember mainly. But, uh, but yeah. Um, what are we drinking today? Well, I am having <laughs> my national local beer. Yes, of course. But I am having You're something having a very special beer. fun. Yes. Oh, I haven't opened it. Hold there on. you go. Okay. Nice. You didn't so, spill any. I didn't, which is unusual for me. This is from, wait, who brews this? Oh, Unknown. Unknown Brewing. Out of uh, Charlotte. Out of Charlotte, yes. Uh, we like a lot of their beers. They're a good brewery. We do. Um, and this is called Elevator Lady. Because it is, uh, <laughs> well, let's see. It is a kettle, ale kettle soured with, ale kettle <laughs> Soured with cherries and berries, and here's why. In uh, the state of North Carolina, the shit. What is she? The she's like the secretary of, the, of labor. The I head of the so. Department of Labor for yes. North Carolina. Yes. yes, secretary of labor. I think um, her name is Sherry Berry. It is. <laughs> uh, I don't know if she. Unir- it. Unironically. Unironically, yes. It, it's C H E R R I E. I think just one R. Or just one R. Yeah. Um, I don't and know I, if she I think the, it. I think the berry is two R's. I think it's B-E-R-R-I-E. No, I think it's B-E-R-R-Y, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Either way. But maybe. Maybe it is. Anyway, the the reason everyone... <laughs> get, get back to us, Sherry Berry. The reason everyone knows Sherry Berry in North Carolina is because her name and signature are on the safety certificates for every elevator in the, in the entire state. In the state of North Carolina. It <laughs> yes. doesn't matter where you are in North Carolina. Yep. It, you get into an elevator and, and you better have, hope... Well, you hope it does. You hope it does. You hope it has a current certificate with Cherry Berries. But you will you will see her picture yes. and certificate mm-hmm. in every single elevator and signature. Ooh, in the state bad. of North Carolina. Give that a try. It's actually pretty good. Wow, that is good. Yeah. Yes. It's not super sour. It's no. kind of refreshing. It is so hot right now. It's like here. 94 degrees out. And this Something is like, like late May. So for North Carolina, this is really early for this weather to be starting um usually it's like july late june july so yeah things are pretty please forgive our south dakota and and 
Canadian listeners who would be praying for a 93 degree day. <laughs> would they but they really, no, though? They no. no, it sucks. No, yeah. It, 80 degrees is really about as the max as you need for me. I know you're a little lower. I'm lower. I would say 75 yeah. and sunny is I, perfect. I'm Unless like, you're actually like going to the beach or swimming or something, yeah. which you know how much I love to do those things. You do. <laughs> you love it so much. We do it never. never. <laughs> <laughs> we will be in Vegas, though. We will. Yeah. Or at least you will, but... I will. <laughs> you will. You already have a little bit of a sunburn from today. I do. I uh, I went golfing today. Played very well because it was a par three. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but still. It's a secret. Had fun. And yes, I'm very crispy. And thankfully, we started our round at nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Because there were people coming in to start when we were leaving at Ugh. like 12.15. I'm, like, no. I'm like, you guys are going to get fucking baked. I went for my walk at like one. And yeah, it's hot as fuck outside. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pardon my It hiccup. just has that feeling of you can like literally feel the heat rising from the ground. Yes. Like that kind of feeling. Well, and it gets so humid here. Mm-hmm. So fortunately, we are inside now with our nice new air conditioning and Nest thermostat. Nest, if you want to sponsor us. Anytime. Well, we're just giving them free advertising That's anyway. Fine. Why would they bother? Just give us free shit nest. <laughs> well, what else could do we need? We oh, the little camera thingy. Doesn't matter as long as it's coming from Nest. Like we'll, we'll take two of them. We'll Everything they've two. got. We don't. We only have one home. That's fine. <laughs> you just want two of them. Yes. <laughs> So, so yes, that's who Sherry Berry is. That is her actual name, apparently. It is. I'm hoping it's her married name. Otherwise, her parents must probably have hated is. her. Yeah, probably is. <laughs> so, but it is. It is a good beer. And it's got her picture on it, too. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty the, the sure. The certificate picture. Yes. I'm pretty, like a cartoon of it. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw a thing on Facebook or something of her holding the beer. Like, so she's, <laughs> she's fine with it. And uh, last podcast mentioned it one time in their mm. Patreon subscribers. Somebody um, donated Somebody, on her behalf. Yes. <laughs> mm? Or maybe it's her. Ah. Can you imagine if little straight-laced Republican Sherry Berry was a... Was um, an LP on the left listener? Yeah. Jesse is yeah, just I, I whining. Should we let him in? He, he's making be, his, uh, his insecure whine, though. He's carrying his binky. Yes, he is, but he'll be fine. <laughs> My sister calls it his babushka um, move where he, or he, <laughs> so he carries this awful old crusted little knit ball that I made him years ago in his mouth and just howls when he's feeling insecure. And uh, Sarah calls it him being a little old Russian lady, like <laughs> whining about her, ba- or um, mourning the loss of her baby or something. <laughs> kind of sounds that way. He yes. does sound very sad when he does it. I think we should let him in. Let's let Jesse in. Jesse! Come on! Jesse! Riveting radio. This is such and he's, riveting. he's just sitting out there still crying. Oh, oh no, here come he comes. On. Oh, there he is. And there's his pinky. Come on, baby. There's paper. Yes, you like sitting on paper. All right. Yeah, the, the Jesse's paper, in there. The paper you need to research. Go sit on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he likes doing that. You know, he likes sitting on things. Anything he can sit on, he enjoys. Um, yes. Okay, I guess we should <laughs> probably get to the actual episode. Our worst now. opening possibly ever. Oh, I think we've had some pretty bad ones. In they all rival each other. Good boy. All right. That was to Jesse, not to you. Just to clarify for our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> All right, so we ready for part two? Sure. HIV and AIDS epidemic. 
Yeah. Okay. So last episode, we discussed the origins of HIV and its resulting condition, AIDS. Um, So HIV, human immunodeficiency virus, AIDS, autoimmune deficiency syndrome. Yes. (laughs) So today we'll continue on to the spread of the opportunistic virus and the medical, social, and political reasons it became as much of a deadly force as as it did, because there's a lot of stuff involved in this. I know you'll have plenty of commentary, so... Me? No. (laughs) So, uh, just give me a little heads up, and then you won't even have to interrupt me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 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 just going to let you... For the most part, my plan was just let you talk, and when you want me to interject... No, you should interject whenever you want. Just, you can give me a visual cue, and I'll leave a space for you. Instead of stepping on jokes. Well, there's that. (laughs) (laughs) That's because that's what I did for 10 cent beer night. Isn't that what you're talking for? Yes, yes. (laughs) You got so pissed (laughs) off. It was was, actually kind of fun. It was the first time I was like, okay, it happened. Second time I was like, well, whatever. The third time I was like, all right, stop it. You looked pissed by the third time. It was really funny. (laughs) Like I had all these jokes made out. I didn't keep stepping on them. (laughs) All right. So we discussed some of the very early known cases of HIV last week. How far back did this went back to like the 30s or something like that? They think it was, I think the, we said it last week. And I say last week because we recorded this a few weeks ago. I was going to say we haven't recorded, we we are like three weeks in between recordings. Circa the 20s, I believe. Okay. I remember it went farther back than I thought. Yes. It's, they're not a hundred percent sure, but it's, Probably pretty darn close to 100 years ago at this point. So, so yeah. Um, so the known cases came much later, uh, but like late 50s, early 60s, and sure. so forth. Uh, but so this week we're going to delve into the cases that actually began bringing HIV to the attention of the medical community and therefore to the attention of the world, basically, because this was a cultural phenomenon just as much as it was a It was everything. Medical. It was cultural, political, yes. medical, ev- everything. Mm-hmm. The whole yep. freaking world was wrapped up in this for a, a solid decade at least. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't until the early 80s, 1980s, obviously we're not talking about the 1880s, uh, that HIV began to be identified and understood. But just prior to that point, so like up through the 70s or so, it's estimated, estimated because, you know, it wasn't pinned down at that point, that between 100,000 and 300,000 people were infected with HIV. So up through the point where it was beginning to be identified and understood, obviously people were still infected. It just wasn't known. So between 100,000 and 300,000 people infected. And the geographical spreading of the infection is interesting too. So uh, do you remember where we said geographically this originated? HIV originated? I don't specifically. So the the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Western Africa. Okay. Right? It was sort of the epicenter. I, I, I was pretty sure it was Africa. I didn't know exactly where. Yes, Western so, Africa, so essentially. Congo. But yes, the, the, the Congo. Uh, so while it was essentially the epicenter of the epidemic, um, or because it, it was, the virus began spreading in Africa, especially in Western Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa. But the virus also traveled to other countries via people who were visiting the continent. 
so from other countries, or who left Africa, who emigrated. Uh, And because of the Belgian colonization of the Congo, the virus spread to Europe. People who are from Belgium in the Congo going back. The virus also traveled to Haiti from a person or persons working in the Congo. Uh, and so there's a lot of speculation about like patient zero who brought it where, but that's likely how it spread to Haiti. It's, um, it's just one of those things we'll never know. Not a hundred percent. I mean, you can, we can pin down the area. Y- yes. And you can pin down strains. Sure. Different ways and the actual yeah. person like, yeah, good luck mm-hmm. with that. So that was when HIV spread to the Caribbean around the mid sixties, around 1966. And then a few years later, so the late sixties ish, um, it's thought that HIV reached the U.S. via New York City from someone visiting from Haiti. So that's kind of the migration of HIV to the United States. Um, now we're gonna we're gonna be getting a little U.S. centric during this this version of the uh, or this um, portion of this story because a lot of stuff really did happen in the U.S. specifically surrounding AIDS and also HIV and AIDS. And it's also obviously our culture. So we know it a little better and can comment on it better, but I try not to be too American centric, but it's going to get a little bit. So sorry. (laughs) Uh, So within the U S the virus spread initially primarily through two communities um, and intravenous drug users uh, who shared needles and through the gay male community through unprotected sexual intercourse. So quick sidebar, because I want to make it very clear, we're talking about, strictly talking about the most likely and agreed upon ways that HIV spread. Right. Uh, This is not- There were other ways. Yes, and this is also not some sort of moral condemnation of behavior against intravenous drug users, against um, anyone's sexuality or sexual behavior that no one deserves, quote, deserves HIV. No one, um, anyway, go ahead. You were going to interject something. No, I was just going to say those were the two groups of people where we started to notice it. Right. Like it, Like, it didn't mean that other people weren't affected, but for some reason, well, not for some reason. We'll get into that. Yeah. yeah, These two groups had a higher rate than anybody else. So that's where it started Mm -hmm. to, like, what's going on here? Well, we know um, anyone. So uh, when we talked last week about the um, riskiest transmission methods Mm -hmm. of HIV, Blood to blood contact, right? Is, yes, was one number of the highest. one. So, oh, that's right. It was the highest. It was the that's highest. Right. Um, so, if you're using a needle for any purpose that um, someone else has also used, their blood can be on or and or in the needle, and therefore, if you use it too, their blood can become injected into your blood, and mm-hmm. therefore, there's a much higher transmission rate. So that explains the. Um, the proliferation in the intravenous drug user community. And then as far as sexual behavior goes, the number one and still very low risk comparatively. However, we know that if it's happening multiple times, it's going to be more likely to happen, but was um, receptive anal intercourse, I believe with um, ejaculation. So, 
that behave that form of sexual behavior was most commonly associated with the gay community during that time period. So that's just why it got exactly like you said got noticed in those communities first most likely. So yeah. And uh we we are not that is zero moral judgment or condemnation on anybody's behavior. So um so in January of 1981, doctors on the west coast of the United States, specifically in the San Francisco Bay Area in California on the west coast, um, started noticing an alarming trend in some patients. So young, like literally 20s, 30s, teens even, very young, very healthy otherwise men were being hospitalized for something called Kaposi's sarcoma and also pneumocystis pneumonia. So these were two conditions that were and are very rare in young and otherwise healthy individuals. So Kaposi's sarcoma is a cancer uh, in the cells that line lymph or blood vessels, which usually results in tumors on the skin mm. and inside oh, yeah. the well, mouth. Like, and mm-hmm. like lesions and stuff too. Yes, yes. And this type of cancer is identified as an opportunistic disease often found in people with compromised immune systems. So most often it's older people who, sure. who can get it or people yeah. who are otherwise immunosuppressed. So to see it in people who have no indication of being immunosuppressed years old. Yeah, and are young, yeah. that's highly when you, alarming. When you're, when you're uh, 20 years old, your immune system is basically at, it's a, like be, at its peak. Yeah, because yeah. you've gone through your young childhood yeah. when you're still building your immunity. And yeah, you, you're... Now you're a young adult where it's... In, in yeah. the health, basically the healthiest time of your life your body is able to rebound so much faster than it ever will again, you know? So yes, this was highly concerning. Just unusual. Yes, exactly. And pneumocystis, so uh, pneumocystis pneumonia is a type of pneumonia that is also opportunistic. It thrives in the elderly, um, otherwise immunosuppressed people, similar to Kaposi's sarcoma. So um, and it especially thrives. Do you remember the CD4T helper cells we were talking about last time? Is it the T cells? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The T helper cells. Uh, well, pneumocystis pneumonia especially thrives when those T helper cells are levels are, really are low down. Mm-hmm, in the blood. So, and another frightening symptom that was showing up in some patients were skin infections that eventually moved onto the brain. Causing mm. dementia and mm. death in young patients. So, you know, dementia is obviously a horrible and tragic thing to see it's in anyone. But can you imagine something, being like 25? It's something that's supposed to happen when you're 70. You know? I, I, and that's still considered young, young early on. But still, but at 25, having dementia. Or like, 20 or 30 fuck? or, yeah. It's just, it, that doesn't make was, any sense. So imagine being a doctor and seeing this start to pop up in more and more people you can see where it would get really concerning really quickly. Like, what, what is going on? What the fuck is happening? What is happening? So I want to take a quick sidebar here because uh, a big part of the story of HIV and AIDS is associated with the LGBTQ plus community, right? Uh, it's because of this period of history. So I'd like to talk a little bit about 
the gay community and the LGBTQ plus community during this time, specifically in like the 70s and 80s, late 70s into the 80s. So, and it does come into play here to kind of, um, the cultural background is important. So the, I'm for the sake of, um, expediency, I'm just going to say the gay community Please know that I do include lesbian, bisexual, transgender, uh, queer, intersex, etc. Yeah, I know. I know how you feel about that, but still. So uh, the gay community obviously has a very long history of being oppressed, uh, harassed, diminished, victimized, really beat down upon in oh. certainly in our country and in other countries I as well. Ev- I think everywhere in the world. I mean, in the yes. w- other places in the world, it's still happening. And the, the awful thing is that it was super accepted in ancient time or not, not quote ancient times, but in much earlier civilizations, they were pretty cool with homosexuality and other al- alternative um, expressions of gender and sexuality. And Jesus might be, it might be when that <laughs> Jesus whole thing came about. Oh, Jesus wasn't the problem. No, he wasn't. It was his fucking followers. stupid ass followers. Yes, yes. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. That's when it became shunned and exactly, looked down upon. Exactly. When, when some of them were participating in themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And still are. Yeah. And obviously this oppression is not over. It still no, happens. Never, it never fully will be. To the point where now in the USA, our, um, our quote president is still trying to pass fucking um, uh, executive orders and shit openly discriminating against trans people. Also, they're trying to take away um, gay parents' rights from adopted children. Just horrific things. So this is clearly an ongoing issue. It's probably never not going to be that people just like taking people's rights away for no good goddamn reason. So anyway, um, so this still happens today from outright violence, like the number of trans people and especially trans people of color who get attacked and even killed in this country is horrific. It's absolutely alarming to down to microaggressions, right? Some of my best friends are gay sort of shit that happens. So it does, it does obviously still happen, but we're now imagine this 40 years ago, you know, sort of thing. But also to be fair, at this point in time, the gay community had made some really amazing strides towards um, outright acceptance. Sure. And the cultural revolution, just overall, of the 60s well, they, and 70s was a part, of, part of that. Yes. Exactly. So at the time of the proliferation of HIV, the gay community was in the midst of its own civil rights movement. Uh, which was epitomized by the Stonewall Riots Mm -hmm. of 1969 in New York. So that was a big pivot point in, you know, moving from it it happened in the civil rights movement for um, for black people in America as well. There's a pivot point where it turns from um, asking for acceptance to demanding acceptance and rights, you know, uh, like the um, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not time asking any, anymore. We're telling. We're telling you. We're we're doing this and different approaches, right? But still, just saying we're not letting this happen. We're and and we are going to very specifically fight against this. Well, the Stonewall riots was part of that for the gay community as well. So as a result, 
because they were making these strides, because the LGBTQ plus community was making these strides, more and more members of the community were feeling more and more comfortable expressing their sexuality, um, much like the heterosexual com- and cis community, I must um, add. Remember, the free love movement was also happening That's true. in the late yes, 60s. Yes, that is very so true. there was also a general milieu. There were, well, there was a sexual revolution there was. intertwined with civil rights. There and, was, and yes. in the hetero community, Things like um, more accessible birth control was really coming Mm -hmm. into play, the pill becoming available, things like that. So, yes, kind of the whole, there was a sexual revolution. That's when conservative America and conservative ideals got turned on their head, literally within a decade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really. There was a lot of social upheaval. And conservatives still hate that. Like, they still, they're like, the fucking hippies. Yeah. Those motherfuckers, yeah. they'll they'll blame them for literally anything. They will. Yeah. And, th- and they'll be able to draw, like, the weakest case possible to it. Mm-hmm. But still, it gets people in that demographic riled in those fucking hippies. Right. So the important thing to remember is that, like, everybody was experiencing more sexual freedom. Uh, everybody was experiencing a different sort of America and just one yes. that was just like, whoa, where are the, where are we going now? Like, right, what? right. But the, this pertinent to this story is that this was happening in the gay community mm-hmm. too. We're specifically going to kind of focus on the gay male community. So a part of gay culture that has a really long history in, in human history is the bathhouse. So, do you know what a bathhouse is? I do. Okay, yeah. So it's not, not personally. <laughs> okay, it's okay. <laughs> it, it's a, a public space where people, generally men, could go to have sex uh, with. Where did this? I literally didn't finish that sentence. That's okay. I think you can ad lib from there, from where you started. Yeah, I, I literally just said could go have sex with. <laughs> they could go have sex with. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense. But basically, it, it's it's no many bathhouses are known for men having sex with other men. That's the idea, right? So bathhouses started popping up in the United States in the 50s and actually became fully licensed business establishments, legal mm-hmm. establishments in the 60s and the 70s. So obviously, sexually transmitted infections in this era of free love in this era of sexual liberation or what have you. Fucking hippies. <laughs> STIs were still transmitted. Oh, hell yeah. We're not even talking HIV. And they were known about, people knew about syphilis, people knew about VD as they were known in mm. the day, venereal disease. Um, but... People kind of always have. I mean, there, there's a whole... Yes, The history of sexually transmitted diseases has always been kind of yes, well known. Yes. So... So, but back then... Unprotected sex was still relatively popular. It, well, even in the hetero community for anyone who was avoiding pregnancy through hormonal birth control, but also in gay community, because first of all, no one's getting pregnant. To um, biologically male people having sex with each other, no one has a uterus, no one is getting pregnant. Um, I, I think Alex Jones would differ. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I'm get, I'm just joking. I'm that saying, he would say that a man can get pregnant? Uh, you know he would. Like, God, what Just listen to how stupid that would sound. But yeah, imagine somebody saying that. And Well, I mean, a person who identifies as male could potentially get pregnant if they still had female genitalia and a, a womb but, or a uterus. But 
not somebody who's biologically male. He's just a weirdo, Alex Jones. Anyway, and then second of all, even if you got an STI, most um, were pretty easily treatable with antibiotics at the time. Like, oh, I got the SIF. Go get a penicillin. Go get a shot of penicillin. Exactly. So now these same benefits were also in the lesbian community, right? Two women have two biological women, cis Can women having pregnant? sex with each other, right? Yeah. Neither one of them is getting pregnant either. Um, so, but the sexual activities that have a greater risk of HIV transmission were more common in the gay gay male community than in the lesbian community as well. So, because we literally went down our whole list of transmission risks, right? So. And they were all surprisingly kind of low. They, in but, general, but if, yes. But, but if you just, if you increase the, the odds enough. Well, you know, the stereotypical, yeah. like, oh, men want to have sex all the time. Well, that obviously varies from person to person. But the whole, like, I guess, stereotype is that, well, you got a bunch of men who are all into men. They're just going to want a bone all the time. You know, so if there's a frequency of sexual activity, that's going, you're rolling the dice every time, you know, so you're, you're, it's, it's doing something once with the same odds as doing it 20 times, you know, your odds increase. That's how math works, I think. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't really take probability and statistics. There you go. (laughs) So these medical professionals in the San Francisco area We're seeing these opportunistic conditions in people, like I said, perfectly healthy otherwise, and it was very alarming. And then they started to notice that the people that they were noticing these symptoms in were were often overwhelmingly male and gay or a male who had sex with men. You know, complicated people identify in different ways, but ultimately the idea that um, these were men who had one thing in common, they were having sexual intercourse with men. So, and then the scary, really scary part for everybody was that these patients were dying. They weren't just getting sick. They were just flat out dying and in really awful ways. These are wasting diseases, these, these infections, you know. You see, like, a 22-year-old get dementia or um, skin lesions and and just this it's horrible pneumonia. Up. It's awful. Yeah. It's horrific. Uh, so in the Frontline documentary that I mentioned, The Age of AIDS, I mentioned last time, one person said, quote, speaking about the patients, quote, they looked like concentration camp survivors. Uh, like, that's how they yeah, were. That's so, just... like, that's the visual. And if you look... Like, we'll get to the top picture, but, like, that's a, a man who is an AIDS patient. You can see uh, yeah. the lesions on his yep. skin. You can see how thin he is. Uh, don't don't, don't okay. comment on that. We'll okay. comment on that later. <laughs> you like the political stuff. We'll get into that. But you can you can just see how painful that looks and how it looks. It looks like, that guy looks like, just put me out of my he looks fucking miserable. misery. He looks miserable, as you would be. Yeah. If you were, I'm sure it was incredibly painful, and at this isolating, time, And at this scary. time, nobody really knows what the fuck no. is wrong. So can you imagine your doctor walking in and being like, shit, I don't know what to tell you. This, this, I, I don't know what's happening. So yes, this was a horrible, wasting, excruciating way to go. This was, this was just awful. 
Now, because of the association of the disease in these early days with the gay community, the condition, this mystery illness, uh, became known as GRID. Do you know what GRID stands for? Oh. So they got the ID part right, which is um, immunodeficiency. Oh, was it gay? Gay-related immunodeficiency, oh, okay. GRID. Everyone loves their acronyms. <laughs> but... More ineloquently, they use the terms gay cancer and gay plague. So while I... Oh, oh, I bet the evangelicals loved that. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and we'll get into that, that people were saying that this was God's punishment and all that shit. And if your God likes to punish people, then fuck your God. I mean, I'm sorry. That's just bullshit. That's I call absolute bullshit on that. So, um, I concur. Thank you. So while I understand that this was the main common thread they were finding in this new disease, it's really puzzling to me to think that at one point they were associating and naming an entire disease based on a sexual orientation. Well, it's mean, like you, being you, gay. But you have to remember, you have to remember the time. <laughs> I, I yes, but but even from a scientific standpoint, a sexual orientation can cannot cause something. A behavior can cause something, an exposure can cause something, but literally a sexual orientation cannot cause anything. It's just weird. Well, again, you have to remember the time. Who are these doctors giving out these diagnoses? They're people who grew up in like the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and gay wasn't, it was like those freaks and that, but all that kind of bullshit. But they knew that there was nothing different biologically about, I, I think it was just sort of a lazy naming thing. It was easy. I, I think it was kind of on purpose. I think the exact opposite. I don't know. A lot of these healthcare workers who are working on on AIDS early on, they weren't assholes. They were they were actually good people who are trying to figure this out. I don't think they were deliberately, at least a lot, were not being deliberately um, discriminatory. I'm not so, saying them, but they have to give a message that's eventually going to go out to a politician. I'm saying that's where the... No, they, the, a politician didn't call it grid. This oh, was that's known a, in the oh, medical okay. community. All right, well, then, briefly. I stand, then I stand corrected. So, anyway. So, but the thing is, like, gay people don't have something different in their DNA no, than straight people as far as, like, being human. So human it's not beings. like Exactly. Yeah. So it's not like there's something physical in an inherent way. So, anyway... And that's just my thing. But anyway, um, now, not everyone, like, specific, like people understood it wasn't literally because people were gay that they were getting this, like I said, like it was some sort of gods judging people. Um, and some people did recognize this. For example, a doctor from the National Cancer Institute specifically called it, quote, of concern to all Americans. So people were calling it out as like, no, this isn't just a gay person's problem. Well, this is everybody's problem. He's got it partially right. It's of concern to all, all people in the world. Global citizens, all human beings. Yes. Exactly. Yep. So at any rate, they did get the immunodeficiency or immune deficiency part right, right? Yes, so, they did. Yes. So they understood, they understood it was a, a failing of the immune system yeah, for some reason. And it's the why and the how. Exactly. That they, that they couldn't figure out. Exactly. So, in a very unfortunately headlined New York Times article oh, in New May York, of 1982. Oh, the, the, uh, the liberal New York Times. Yeah, this was the headline. New homosexual disorder worries health officials. <laughs> <laughs> a homosexual disorder. So, anyway, they, they actually used the term AID, or Acquired Immunodeficiency Disease. So, they were oh, actually... okay. It's... They were, we're headed closer in the right track. Yeah. Because it is acquired. They just, yes, they just didn't know 
the cause, which is obviously scary. And by this point, the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC here in the U.S., were definitely tracking the case or the disease and stated as of the time of that article, so this is as of May 82, that there had been at least 335 known cases of GRID or this unknown immunodeficiency um, disease and that 136 of those people had died from it. So it's like a 30% fatality rate. Which is bad. That's ridiculously high. It's bad. And also, let's keep in mind that these were people who had acquired AIDS already. Mm -hmm. Meaning, they had already gone through the initial infection, uh, the acute phase. They had gone all the way through the latency phase, which can last for years, and had finally reached the end stage of this virus, which is AIDS. Yeah, where it's over. So... This is, they're just seeing the end results. So this had been going on. Like, people had been infected much earlier. Yeah, people at that point had been infected for probably maybe five, six years. At least, yeah. Yeah, these were the earliest cases of of people actually dying from it. So this wasn't something they caught a month ago, and this is is a buildup over a long stretch of time. And the reason they were seeing such a high mortality rate is because these people had already reached the end stages and of because, this disease. And because when they all caught it, nobody knew. Right. So there was no treatment whatsoever. Yeah. Which we'll get into next week. We're not covering that this week, the treatment and such. Um, but again, real quick reminder, anyone who is HIV positive or might know somebody who is, or just to keep things clear, this is not where we are anymore medically with AIDS and HIV. No, so. thank God. <laughs> Important to know. But anyway. Um, and... Yeah, so it was killing these people very quickly and at a very high rate. So despite its very deceptive name of GRID, gay-related, uh, GRID was already known to be already, even at the time of the n- little naming of it being called GRID, it was already known to be able to occur in women as well. Okay. Which just sort of blows the, <laughs> the name yeah, out, right? Yeah. It, it, it doesn't even matter. Um 13 of those known grid cases were in women. Okay. So it was known that women could also get this unknown disease. And they also started noticing some potentially heterosexual men who used injected drugs who were getting grid. So they were starting to identify those most they're, they're starting to vulnerable put the pieces populations. together. A little, a little bit. bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the CDC was very reluctant to admit this at first. The fact that, no, it's not just gay men getting this. There are women who have it. There are hetero men who are getting it. And the thing they have in common is intravenous drug use. So maybe that has something to do with it. Um, Doctors in Miami were seeing, especially in Miami, were seeing the disease manifest in both men and women from Haiti. There are a lot of Haitian immigrants in South Florida because Haiti's not all that far away. So they were seeing this and... and, uh, HIV and AIDS had gotten to Haiti before it got to America, so they were a little bit farther along in the progression of the epidemic and the disease. So doctors in Miami were like, hey, we're seeing this in men and women, hetero men, hetero women. You know, this isn't about just gay men. This is able to happen in in anybody. Um, But the fact that a lot of these patients were from Haiti triggered a certain amount of xenophobia 
Um, you don't say. Yeah, which led to a lot of that dismissive. Thank God we're over that as a country. Oh yay! Yeah, no, we don't. We don't villainize anybody <laughs> who doesn't look like us or speak English. It's America. Fuck. One step at a time. At least we're mostly over the gays. <laughs> well, yeah. Mostly. Not everybody. Uh, the the people who are mostly do have a problem with gay people are dying out. Just yes. age. Yeah, They're they aging are. Yes. Out of the system. Thank God. Of life. Uh, please so, move along. Yeah. And that's, that'll be one upside. So. Uh, so around the same time, so we're talking about like 1981, cases of grid were also being seen in Paris and Belgium. As I mentioned. Not that this might come up, but wasn't uh-huh. like 80, 81, like the Marialito boat lift? Like oh, the Mariel boat lift. Or Mariel, uh, yes. What year was from, that? It was something like that. Yeah, that's what but Scarface that's, is based on. That's, that's Cuba. Uh, that I'm aware of, at least in my research, Cuba wasn't. I mean, it's oh, okay. spread throughout the Caribbean before it did in America, but I don't know of any enormous Haitian Cuban. Oh, okay. Um, like, that just, I'm trying to think of, like, why people would be going between Haiti and Cuba necessarily more than anywhere else. And um, I, I never have heard of anything in the Mariel Boat Lift being associated with the just, spread of Haiti. I was just wondering. It okay. just popped into my head. I'm pretty sure it was in, like, the 80s or something. It was a series. For some of, reason, I was just randomly thinking of Scarface listening to. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I'm like, wait a second. Miami. <laughs> we built this city on cocaine. <laughs> Yes, yes, you did. Still do. <laughs> uh, built it on cocaine, bank fraud, and uh, Medicare fraud. Yeah, there we go. There you go. The, the, We're the, known for all the good stuff. The triumvirate. And, 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 and the what, Everglades. That's what any good economy is based on. <laughs> fraud. Well, that's our whole country's working on it. So, um, maddeningly, as it has always been and likely always will be, once a problem becomes a problem in the straight white community then it becomes a problem that people take seriously. So this was happening in um, intravenous drug users who are often looked down upon as, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, de- de- degraded or uh, looked degenerate. Down That's, yeah, a, you okay. know, people yeah. like, or looking down upon them as um, addicts or whatever. So they weren't being taken seriously or being cared about. Um, by most Americans, they're kind of still not. Could you imagine how right. they're, they're kind of you right? imagine how they were viewed forty years ago? Seriously, and then um, gay people who yeah, who gives a shit <laughs> uh, right back then, and then people of color, especially people of color who are not originally from America. So immigrant people from other countries of color, yeah. So basically, we as a country dismissed this whole problem until it started affecting white and straight people. But to, but to be but to but. be fair, that's the first and only time that that's ever happened. <laughs> oh, I wish we could say that <laughs> <laughs> with any reality, confidence, or honesty behind it. <laughs> As a uh, privileged straight white male. That's right. Good. Recognize your privilege. I can recognize that, yes, things do get a, a lot more attention when they start affecting not necessarily white people, because if things if it's things yeah. are, if things affect, affect poor white people, still nobody or notices. Or gay white people or trans white people. But know. it's when you get into like suburbanites, middle class, yeah. upper middle class, mm-hmm. when it starts becoming a problem there, mm-hmm. that's when it gets attention. Or when it starts affecting a perceived quote innocent group of people 
like, let's say, people with hemophilia. Oh, well, geez. So let's well, get into Jesus that. Christ, yes, 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 yes. I, I, I know one person in particular. Oh, yes, we'll get really to him. We'll get to him affects. shortly. So, uh, quick sidebar. Hemophilia. What is hemophilia, David? Uh, it, all I know is it's like a, not a blood loss, like a... Like an ionization of your blood or something like that? Like a, a dilution of your blood? You're on the right track. It's it's a blood clotting disorder. Okay. So, like, you know, if you get a cut or something and then it scabs over, that's clots. Those right. Are, those are blood well, hemophiliacs clots. Hemophiliacs can't do that, per se. They don't have um, certain types of clotting factor right. in, the con- in the blood in concentration levels needed to, um, to, to clot normally. It has to do with iron in your blood, too, doesn't it? I didn't get that deep into oh, okay. Maybe okay. Em- Emily can Emily. comment. Yes, Emily. <laughs> Please tell us if there's, a, if there's yes. a link between hemophilia and iron in your blood. <laughs> so, Thank you. So people with hemophilia can hemorrhage easily. And hemorrhage just means bleeding, so they can they can bleed easily, um, sometimes to a dangerous extent. For example, internal bleeding, which uh, like it's not good. if 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 somebody with hemophilia gets a cut, it's easy to respond to, sure. right? But say that something happens internally from a car accident or something, then that's, yeah, you're not necessarily that's not good. so it can be a pretty dangerous thing, depending. Um, so there is no cure. Still, there wasn't then, there isn't now for hemophilia. So the main course of treatment, some people only have mild forms of hemophilia. They just have to be kind of careful about certain things, but it's not super life-threatening necessarily. However, for people with moderate to severe cases of the disorder, the main course of treatment is to replace the clotting factor they're missing. So taking it from other blood, people with, with the blood clotting factor and um, transfusing it into people who need it. So, and that's direct done through the direct injection of blood products that have the clotting factors present. So as a result, those in the hemophiliac community were especially affected by HIV because like we said, 90% of people exposed to HIV through direct blood to blood transfusion will end up with HIV themselves. That's a huge... That's a fucking crazy high. That That's... It's almost guaranteed, like, basically, right? right? And and if people had to get, like, multiple transfusions oh, once a week yeah. or something like that... First, then it's basically 100% at you, that you're point. Go, it's going to happen, too. Yeah. Exactly. And people with this kind of... And not just this... Uh, disease, but other blood-related diseases sure, other, are getting anyone who's re- transfusions or visiting blood banks all the time. My mother has said, looking back on it, she's almost like scared in retrospect. Yeah. She had my sister in 1981, uh-huh. and she had me in 1984. Right, and she was like. Imagine if while having Sarah in 1981, she's like, what if I need a blood transfusion? I need to get blood from, yeah. It happens because, you know, like hemorrhaging in pregnancy. Sure, it happened to at least one person that gave birth. It happened to a lot of people. Not in the numbers as in other communities. but it happened. Yes, absolutely. Through literally literally no fault of their own. Through Through giving birth. Saving their lives. Yeah. Right? Because they would need these transfusions to save their own lives. Jesus Christ. Yep. So, Jeez, I never fucking thought about yeah, that. But god yeah, damn, you're right. Yeah. So just at normal people, like uh, I cut the shit out of my, uh, you know, forearm, whatever. I need like 100 stitches. Something weird happened. Oh, you need blood too. 
Just something yeah. random like, Could be like anything, fucking really. that. Yeah. And then six years later, you get fucking lesions all over your skin. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Just Jesus. because of that one time you cut your arm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And it's fuck. like. I'm, I'm so, again, I'm so glad I was not an adult <laughs> through all this. Right. Yeah. And the, the thing is, like, always important to remember, nobody deserves this to have had to go through this, this, especially like at this time, well, I, nobody, I, nobody I, does still deserve to have some sort of disease. The, the thing I'm pretty sure Jerry Falwell said the gays deserved it. Jerry Falwell can go fuck himself <laughs> and his son. Franklin Graham, who is, who is apparently also oh, I meant junior. In, in That's little, who I think. Oh name. yes, he's the fucking Liberty University guy. Who's apparently caught up now? I was just reading this on several outlets the with other the day. Miami, uh, yeah, a little hotel thing yeah, with the pool boy. Yep, yeah. So that that tells you everything fucking you need to know. Hypocrite. That's right. He'll still get his money. Like those people. Will still, yeah, he can enjoy his time in hell yeah. with his money. And if I see him there, I'll enjoy it even more. Love it. See, that's... Yeah, okay, we're not going there. Anyway, so it is estimated that between 6,000 and 10,000 people in the United States with hemophilia were infected with HIV during the early days of the disease. So to put this into perspective, the estimated number of people living with hemophilia now in the United States is 20,000. Wow. So that's almost now right is 20,000. So it was probably less back then because there were just less people. Sure. I mean, not tons less, but still less. And probably maybe more than half ended up with HIV. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. And it almost it, it almost wiped out like half. Yes, it was devastating. I mean, to the hemophiliac community. Holy yes. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, like, just gone. Uh, yes. Uh, well, here we go. I had <laughs> I had this little stat hidden lower. About nine... Oh, okay. Um, about 90% of people living with hemophilia contracted hepatitis C. Mm. For the same reasons as mm-hmm. they contracted HIV. Because the blood was not being screened properly. I mean, they knew about hepatitis uh. back then. <laughs> So it was just... But, the, they, but they didn't really know about AIDS or HIV. They didn't know about HIV, but blood screening measures were just not what they are now. Obviously, well, yeah, people are hugely careful about it now and due in large part to HIV and understanding about HIV. So the CDC first reported the presence of HIV in three people with hemophilia in 1982, which tipped off the theory that HIV could be spread through blood. And further, an infant who was known to be infected in 1981 had received a blood transfusion. So that was also giving that hint. Um, Now, to be clear, people with hemophilia aren't the only people in need of blood products. You mentioned that. So people who were ill, injured, required a blood transfusion, were also infected to the estimated tune of a total of 35,000 people being infected with HIV from blood products and blood transfusions. Mm -hmm. From an exchange of blood. Yes. A a medical exchange of blood. Yes. Yes. Fucking A. Um, Now, let me make sure. I did this research a little while ago. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, We're we're going to get to who you wanted to discuss later. 
So. If, if we've repeated a lot of things from the first episodes, because mm-hmm. we literally have done these about three weeks apart. <laughs> yeah, it has <laughs> been a little I, bit. I don't really remember what we talked about for yeah. the most part in the first one. <laughs> so it was becoming more and more apparent that all sorts of people were capable of contracting HIV, or rather, were capable of coming down with AIDS. So in 1982, the public health community dropped GRID, as the name, and started calling the disease Acquired Immunodeficiency Syndrome, or AIDS. So, And that name stuck. Yes, it did. Well, because it is descriptive, uh, has a good acronym, and doesn't... Sounds sounds better. It's from sounds better and is better than grid. Yes, <laughs> and also more accurate. So yeah, so the disease was now correctly identified. AIDS was correctly identified, but the cause, the literal direct cause, was not. But work was absolutely being done by the scientific and medical communities to figure out what was making people sick, what was causing AIDS, so that they could prevent it or stop it or cure it. So in 1983. Two separate groups of researchers correctly came to the conclusion that AIDS was caused by previously unidentified retrovirus. Remember we talked about mm-hmm. retroviruses yes, last we time? Did. That's one of the few things I do remember. <laughs> I made a train spotting reference. There you go, yes. So these two groups were a group in France, led by Francois Barre Sinoussi and Luc Montagnier. Oui, oui. Oh, oui, oui. Quebec. He's not from Quebec. I'm just saying that's like the one thing I know to say. And an American group led by Robert Gallo. What a boring name. <laughs> it's not as interesting as uh, Bresse-Nussi no, or Montagnier. Yeah. So each scientist in these groups was uh, well-versed in retroviruses. In fact, Gallo headed up the team that essentially discovered retroviruses in the first place. So these were all heavy hitters in the <laughs> viral community, I guess. Vir- uh, viral scientist we, community. We, we need them, apparently. Yeah. Obviously. So both teams independently reported their findings of AIDS as being caused by a retrovirus in the same year, in the same issue of the same scientific, scientific journal called Science. Wow, so it was okay. in 1983. So they all came to the same conclusion. They both came, both groups came to the exact same conclusion that AIDS was caused by a retrovirus. And these are people who would know because this is their shit. This is what they know. The how is still up in the air. Well, the exactly what, exactly what virus is still a little bit up in the air. Um, but they, they did discover that it was viral. It was caused by a virus. And they sort of... Uh, batted around some different names over a couple of years as to what to call this virus, but it became known as human immunodeficiency virus or HIV by 1986. In January of 83, the American Association of Blood Banks, the Council of Community Blood Centers, and the American Red Cross, this is 83, mind you, this is, they've already called it AIDS as of 82, they know it's bloodborne, they just figured out it's caused by a virus, so those three, um, Organizations released a joint statement saying that it was, quote, inappropriate, end quote, to ask a blood donor about their sexual preferences. And they did not implement any screening questions for donors or, uh, or sorry, they did implement screening donors via questions about lifestyle, but did not recommend any laboratory screening tests. 
So they're like, no, we don't need to run people's blood. Though, yes, to be fair, they didn't even know what exactly they were screening for at the time. It wasn't until 1984 that they actually developed a blood screening test for HIV. And then it took another year for the FDA to approve it so it could become commercially available. So while the virus had been properly identified, the mechanism of the relationship between HIV and AIDS was still poorly understood. It was initially thought that once infected with HIV, a person like immediately came down with AIDS. So they had the cause and effect, but they didn't understand the timeline sure. of this virus. And we learned, you know, that there's the acute phase, the latency phase that can last years. And it differs for everybody, pretty much. Yes, and it can vary quite a bit. Yes, exactly. Which would probably make it even harder to pin down. Mm -hmm. And this is also, that's what made AIDS especially insidious, was that people were infected with HIV for years before it became clear. Before they had AIDS. Yeah, that anything was wrong. So, yeah. So... The mid-1980s, in spite of these advances in identifying, correctly identifying, correctly starting to be on the path of testing for and understanding HIV and AIDS, uh, it was still a pretty bleak time. Uh, The numbers of people infected with the virus were increasing rapidly, obviously, but there wasn't a whole lot that the medical community could do to help people who were infected with HIV. And they literally had nothing to offer AIDS patients, but palliative care. So Mm. it's just like we're just trying to make you as comfortable as possible because we literally can't do anything for you. And so at the time, contracting HIV was essentially a death sentence. You would eventually come down with AIDS and therefore you would die. So a large part of what contributed to this stagnation of research, you know, there wasn't much advancing the understanding of HIV or AIDS during the mid-80s and very little advancements in how to more effectively treat people um, because of the prevailing conservative Western culture. (laughs) At the time, um, it wasn't just in the U.S., I believe Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher, was in power at this time as well in England, but most notably, perhaps, was the U.S. political response. We're so good at not being a leader in responding politically to at this point, worldwide to fucking problems. anything. Yeah. Except for, oh, there's a dictator that killed two people over there, so we should just bomb everybody. We That's could, the only thing we do respond to. We could be a leader in climate change, but no, we're going to be the asshole. America, the world's asshole. That's kind of true at this point. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> what we are. So... Um, in the in the in the sense that we have literally the greatest effect on the rest of the world, and we so at the at this point we choose not to have much of an effective positive effect of on humanity really at all. So yeah, I'm gonna get back to this. Otherwise, I'm just gonna rant I know, for a while. Sorry. Okay, no, that's okay. I'm 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 saving myself. From, sorry, eh? sorry. All oh, Canada, we love you. Um, <laughs> so what was Canada's response to this? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes, probably, eh? <laughs> so, most notably, one Ronald Reagan uh, and his administration responded, let's, let's be very kind, poorly, <laughs> to the AIDS and HIV epidemic. So, Reagan was elected in 1980, sworn in in 81. In a 1982 White House press conference with Reagan's press secretary, Larry Speakers, 
A journalist named Lester King Solving asked, oh, sorry, Larry Speaks, not Larry Speakers. That was. I, I was more hooked on King Solving. Was King that, Solving. Was yeah, that the Lester, guy's last name? Lester King Solving. Lester King Solving. Yes. That's a great last name. It I is. might have to adopt that it to is. go along with my uh, count. I'll be Count King Solving. Von Hindenburg. Yes. <laughs> uh, so King Solving asked Speaks. Quote, does the president have any reaction to the announcement by the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta that AIDS is now in an epidemic in over 600 cases? End quote. Speaks says, quote, AIDS? I haven't got anything on it. End quote. King Solving went on to explain the high mortality rate of the disease and mentioned its then moniker, the so-called gay plague, when he said that, I believe there's there are recordings of this, um, uh, the rest of the press pool laughed at the term gay plague, because when you said gay in the 80s, it was ha ha ha. Um, Well, especially 1982. Yeah. So King Solving, like, literally was, he said, quote, no, it's a pretty serious thing, end quote. So he was trying to bring, like, hey, this is serious and what's going on. He's asking this question at a national press briefing. Mm -hmm. Things that used to happen on a daily basis. (laughs) But they, they just don't anymore. Well, I mean, it was it's useless to happen anymore. They have nothing to say. But anyway, um, uh, Speaks quipped, quote, I don't have it. Do you? End quote. Meaning, like, do you have gay cancer? Because I'm straight. I don't have it. Like, Here's the just funny thing. Bullshit. They wouldn't even know. Uh, yeah. Not in 1982. Nobody, they didn't have any tests for it. No. King Solving asked if the president saw this as, quote, a great joke. End quote, meaning like, are you going to take this shit seriously or not? And Speaks responded like, yeah, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, he's like, when Rock Hudson gets it, he'll take it seriously. We'll get to him. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, uh, AIDS remained a punchline for some time to the Reagan administration. In 1984, King Solving again questioned Speaks in a press briefing about AIDS. At this point, over 4,000 known deaths from AIDS had taken place. This is more than the 600 Known being the key word. Exactly. That's a Uh, lot. Yes. King Solving brought up the misconception at the time that AIDS could be passed through saliva because that was the prevailing thought. Even when I was growing up, that was still a thing. Yes. Uh, um, And he asked if the administration would step up to protect citizens from this safety concern. It ended up being a a non-issue, but they didn't know that at the time. And Speaks said, quote, I haven't heard him, meaning Reagan, express concern, end quote. In fact, it took until 1985. So Reagan was in his second term as president, even though this had been an issue his whole first term. It took him until 1985 to even publicly use the term mention it. Yes. Yes. After 12,000 people in the United States died of AIDS. So think about that. Imagine a disease, any we're, disease, we're wiping char- out. We're charged with AIDS as the cause of death because a lot of times before that, right. it was stuff like red but, tape, pneumonia. But imagine, like, say, over the course of the past four years, 12,000 people had died of any disease that was new, unknown, unsure. Like, Or just imagine that 30,000 people a year die from lack of access to health care. No, I'm with you. I but this no, is, I'm kidding. I, I but, get that that's uh, a travesty, that. but it's a different but, thing. But, but I, I know what you're saying, like, of a specific cause. A let's, specific let's imagine known 
illness. Let's imagine 12,000 people in the last two years have just died from that. It's an epidemic, a literal epidemic, and he was ignoring it. Literally ignoring it. So that's, I mean... Which which people don't understand the amount of power that a president has. They... Priorities literally filter down from the presidency, Mm -hmm. usually. So For the administration, yeah. Because they put all these people into charge of all these these offices. So if he put somebody in charge of like health administration. Right. And he's not taking aid seriously. Do you think do you think the person in charge no of course course not. not. Now here's the thing that I was sort of relating it to today. So twelve thousand Americans had died of this disease. The president Officially. Yes. And the president doesn't say jack shit. Today, we're super used to mass shootings, right? In America, like, they happen literally all the time. Um, one person dies in a shooting, the president tweets about it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it's even, this is even Trump. This is even a dipshit to end all dipshits. Even he will acknowledge the death of one person from an extremely common event like that. This president was ignoring the deaths of 12 thousand Americans from something that Americans were not being told, do we need to be concerned about this? What is going on? That is the main thing. Yes. Is that people were not being informed. Yes. Because this literally could affect anybody. Yes. But it's not being handled that way. Yes. It's not it's actually it's not being handled at all. Yeah. Which yep. is even worse. Now a large reason for why Reagan was mum for so long was the so-called moral majority and its leaders, uh, which is to say um, the new brand of evangelical Christianity where uh, far-right, very unchristian-like, quote, Christians were coming into political prominence, including... Um, just an absolute piece of shit who is thankfully fucking dead and buried, Jerry Falwell Sr. And unfortunately, the still alive Pat Robertson, may he die soon. Um, that was un- a really un- harsh thing to say, but... I, I was going to throw in it uncomfortably. I-, I don't wish torture on anybody, but I, I say- would not be broken up if he died. I didn't say torture. I just said, nah, not in the best of circumstances, but whatever. <sighs> Anyway, they've done so much harm to people, it makes me really hope there's a hell so that we get to watch them burn. But uh, while Reagan was silent, these dipshits were most certainly not. They, even his administration wasn't fully. Pat Buchanan, Mm -hmm. Reagan's communications director, said that AIDS was, quote, nature's revenge on gay men, end quote, which was not only absurd, but completely misdirected the conversation about a disease that could literally be be contracted by anyone. It was misinforming people and harshly and incorrectly judging something that was not wrong. It was just stupid. And that asshole ran for president. uh, Is he dead? Is he dead? Pat Buchanan? Yeah. No. Oh, fuck No, he probably won't die for a while. God. When will these people die already? Uh, they, they hang in there for a while. They, <gasps> some some of them uh, have not their own heart anymore. Uh, <laughs> like, Dick, like, like Dick Cheney. Oh, Jesus I think Christ. he's on his second or third. But uh, uh, Sometimes you just have to give up. That's the thing is they these people did receive their marching orders. This is the other part that comes from the top down. It's like, okay, we are going to ignore it. You are going to go out and push You're gonna a be bunch the one of actually, fucking yeah. bullshit. 
Yeah. And they were more than happy to do it because, because these are multimillionaires in supreme positions of power. Yes. They literally affect a lot of things that happen in your life. So even if something does happen to them, it's not like it matters. They can either pay for it right. or they can make it go away, one or the other. It's good to know that these days there are such competent people in charge of things like, <laughs> oh, say HUD, where uh, the the someone who's a literal supposed brain surgeon doesn't, was thinking that somebody was saying Oreo. Yeah. They're talking about a real estate term and he's, oh, only the head of fucking HUD. And, and, and I, he has and a I, picture of black Klingon Jesus in his apartment. Oh my all God. All I could think of yeah. after watching that was, well, let's put somebody in uh, in any type, type of housing. Let's put a construction manager uh, in charge of brain surgery. Yeah. <laughs> like, not? it's just as It'd fucking equal, stupid. Yep, yep. It's just as dumb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, at this point, I'm seriously doubting that he was a brain surgeon. Now, right. now I want to see a picture, like while he was literally inside of a brain. Given that, now I want to see somebody who is a construction worker trying to do brain surgery. Like run a hospital or something. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, just because you have a skill at one thing does not mean it's going to transfer to something else. So here, here's another thing. What is something that Reagan was absolutely known for um, during his administration, that a lot of people saw as a very positive thing, and that also happens to involve my profession. Oh, uh, cutting taxes. Small government mm-hmm. cut taxes. What does cutting taxes do for medical research? Federally funded medical research. Well, grants go away. A lot of grants go away. Funding gets cut yeah. for shit like that yeah. too. So. There was not the money going into no. the research for this that absolutely needed to be. Well, again, you're um, looking at it wrong. Wall Street hedge fund billionaires need more money. You just you're not seeing it. So he he cut funding to organiz- or um agencies like the CDC. Mm-hmm. So it's slow. Not important at all. Research on HIV all they do is uh, uh you know make sure there aren't diseases around. Who needs that? Mm. So that. <laughs> Combined with the sealed lips of the presidential administration, what publicly funded research in the U.S. that could take place was very slow um, due to a lack of funding and also an upheaval in public health administrations. Between 1982 and 1986, the leadership at the CDC, the National Institutes of Health, the, NI- the NIH and the FDA, the, Federal- the Food and Drug Administration, all changed hands and at various points were held by acting directors for long periods of time. Does that also sound familiar? A it, bit? it does. We currently do not have a secretary of defense. Chew on that. <laughs> you know, at this point, I don't know we that it matters. A, we have an acting secretary of defense. At the, oh, no, I'm not even going to say it. That, <laughs> that would be going too far. Okay, let's move on. Let's get, let's get back to the fun thing with AIDS. <laughs> So, unfortunately, the fight for recognition and research had to be fought by citizens, and especially from the communities most affected by the disease. The gay community very effectively um, used the energy they had harnessed in fighting for civil rights to lobby for attention and resources for those suffering from AIDS. So, while AIDS and HIV hit the gay population significantly, they were fighting 
they, yes, they were absolutely fighting for the lives of those in their community, but they were fighting for a lot of Americans very valiantly. Very, there are amazing, oh, I wish I had written it down. There's just so much to get to in this episode that I didn't, but there's an amazing, um, not how to win a plague, but it's called something. I know how what to you're talking about. Yes, it's yes. how to survive a plague. Yes. I think it's called. It's about the the gay community's response to HIV and AIDS, which was essentially they immediately they they recognized very effectively. Pretty like, sure that was we're turned here, into an HBO movie. Yes, they're saying we're out here on our own. We're going to make them deal with this. Like very. This was the Malcolm X movement and we're gonna of have gay to do, rights. We're going to have to do our own research because we have no other choice. Right. And we have to figure out this for ourselves. Uh, how that, to that get this great, seen. That was a great part of the... Uh, CNN is a terrible fucking channel and don't watch it for news. However, they, the do do, they do do good documentary series in the 80s. They dedicated mm-hmm. a whole episode to this. And this is a good portion of what they dedicate their episode to is yes. the rise of... The rise of information about AIDS, mm-hmm. which pretty much strictly came from the gay community. Yes. Uh, well-known gay rights and AIDS activist uh, Larry Kramer, mm-hmm. a name that a lot of people probably recognize, helped found the influential nonprofit Gay Men's Health Crisis. And the gay community remained vocal about forcing the Reagan administration to acknowledge the AIDS crisis. In the meantime... Homophobia reached a fever pitch as people who were gay or even suspected of being gay were ostracized, fired, evicted, completely overtly discriminated against because now they were seen as a health threat by their literal existence. And that was just in the U.S. Oh, it's even that shit still goes on today in other parts of the world. Gay people in Africa and Asia received and yes, do still receive much more brutal treatment, including state sanctioned (sighs) homophobia, imprisonment, vigilantism um, and I didn't have specific research on this, but I'm guessing state-sanctioned death penalties. Oh, no. In, so, in Saudi Arabia, you get your head chopped off. If you have AIDS or if mm-hmm. you're gay? If you're gay. If you're gay. Nope. <sighs> and, right. and, and or get a public shaming. I'm guessing the public shaming comes first, and then you get your head chopped off. Oh, my God. Because that's a country we should be giving $100 billion worth of weapons to. I'm going to move on, okay? <laughs> so those who were treated for AIDS... People who are gay or otherwise were largely abandoned by society, except for the medical staff and compassionate volunteers who cared for them. Like I said, the medical community were doing what they could during yeah. this time because the medical they community. They were trying to understand it themselves. Yes, that's part of it. And also, you know, the Hippocratic Oath mm-hmm. first do no harm. Yep. The people who enter medical professions largely do so because they want to help people. So it makes sense that they weren't going to be the assholes who abandoned people. They're going to be the ones who stick around and say, we're going to figure this out and we're going to help you in the meantime. And also a lot of volunteers, members of the gay community, just just average citizens. Uh, And as the mechanism of transmission for HIV was not still not entirely known, those who came into voluntary physical contact with those with AIDS were perceived as risking their own lives Mm -hmm. because it People were still thinking you could get it from a toilet seat, right? Um, I actually remember my mom saying that shit like in the mid 90s. So, in the mid 90s? Yeah. Wow. That, she was, that was slow to come around. That was very much debunked by then. Well, anyway, 
Uh, one group that very specifically answered the call to help those who had been abandoned because of the fear of society writ large regarding AIDS were gay women, lesbians. Um, this was something I was not aware of until I saw a tweet by Tom and Lorenzo. Follow them. Tilo. They're amazing. They're fabulous. Tilo. Tilo. They um, do some really great fashion commentary, TV commentary and such. Uh, they're a couple, been together for years and years and years. They're very cute, very adorable. Gay couple, gay male couple um, who live with their cats. They're, they're <laughs> just absolutely sweet. Um, but uh, while sometimes even doctors were skittish around AIDS patients, I mean, they were unsure if they were risking their own lives. Groups of lesbian women stepped up to help volunteer and care for the sick. Basically, they were saying this is affecting the male gay community significantly. We in the female gay community need to show up for the, the gay male community. It was There's a lot of honorable people who really stepped up during this time period. And obviously, in the lens of history, can be seen as like the true American heroes in this story, you know. Again, I'm sorry this is so American-centric. It's just kind of where we are. But um, additionally, because men who had sex with men had been banned from donating blood in the United States in 1983. Oh, by the way, that ban was only lifted in 2015. Oh, wow, really? And it still requires that if you are a man who has had sex with men, you can't have had sex with another man for 12 months before donating blood. Okay, all right. Yeah, I don't get that shit. Anyway, uh, so there was a dearth of blood needed for transfusions directly to AIDS patients because they had to stop, they had to refuse blood from people who were um, intravenous drug users, gay men, etc. So um, many lesbians organized blood drives to give their own blood to help AIDS patients. So that's just a very nice little, there were good people. There were a lot yes, of assholes, the, uh, no, <laughs> but there I, were really good people, too. The good people always outnumber the assholes. Yes. The problem is the assholes are always the people at the top. And they're the ones controlling the narrative. Yes. So, yeah. So we're going to get into now sort of the changing perceptions leading into our final episode next week, where we really get into the positives of, uh, no pun intended, of um, oh. like where, we're, where we're getting to now. With AIDS and HIV, we have not eradicated this disease and this virus. However, there's a lot to be hopeful about. So, but so outside of the gay community, one enormously influential AIDS victim in the United States was Ryan White. Yes. Yes. So same age as me. Yeah. So well, not really. He was born in '71. Oh, I thought he was like my age when. No. No. No? Okay. He was well, a boy I, from... I, mis, I misremember him. <laughs> well, well, we'll go through it then. So he was a boy from Indiana. He was white, which helped. He was young, which helped. He was a kid, which helped. Um, Midwesterner, all-American little boy. Um, he was born in 1971, and he was diagnosed with hemophilia. Guess how they figured out he had hemophilia? I have no idea. They circumcised him. Oh, okay. And he bled uncontrollably, which I imagine would be pretty scary for all involved. That's how they figured out he thank had hemophilia. Thank God he doesn't remember that incident. Oh, before we get to that, I yes. forgot to show you this. This is a protest picture. Oh, I know. So what were you... Oh, the main guy, this dude right here. Do you know who that is? 
I keep wanting to say Ed Helms, but no. he's a delight from The Office <laughs> and The Hangover. That is Jesse Helms. Jesse Helms. Who uh, lived in this state, I think, his entire life. I can't remember. I don't think North he was Carolina? a governor. Yes. I don't think he was a governor. I want to say he was a congressman. But anyway, he was in office for like 35, 40, long time. When Chad first moved here in 01, he was still in really? office. Yes. Oh. He is a fuckface. He is the dipshit. Ted Cruz. Oh god. Of like the 80s and 90s. Oh, god. Just an ignorant fucking dipshit that has nothing to offer anybody and will Did his own father recoil from the thought of hugging him like I, Ted Cruz? I hope so. Um but yeah, in in this state um, he's either one of the greatest people ever or oh. either one of the greatest pieces of shit ever. Depending on I'm with the you. latter. Gotcha. So that's who this fuck face is. We'll put this on Instagram, but it's yeah. a, a picture of a protest. And, uh, um, that's, that's William Rehnquist. Who's that? I can't S-C-H-L. tell. I don't know. Who I think she is. William Rehnquist was a Supreme Court judge. Uh, obviously Hitler. that's Hitler. <laughs> it's a pretty easy one. Reagan, that's, Bush, and uh, Nancy. Nancy Reagan. All, mm-hmm. all these people. Fuck all these people. And there's a fuck. banner that says "Silence equals yeah. death," which is obviously all crazy. these people are literally responsible for how our country is today. Not a the bunch protesters. Of, no, no, no. The, the, pe- the yes. people who signed their whole. They are the people responsible for the amount of ignorance and fucking stupidity. That has just rained. Fuck okay. those people. Let's anyway. get back to Ryan. White. Yes. So <laughs> not him. No. Fuck the other people. No, no, no. Um, so he had uncontrolled bleeding as a, an infant when he was circumcised. It was discovered he was a hemophiliac. So he ended up having to get weekly blood clotting factor transfusions or infusions to keep his condition under control. Otherwise, he was actually a really healthy child, like totally average normal. Um, just poor kid already, like, it was like, oh, good, I get a life of weekly blood infusions. I can imagine that was not the funnest thing in the world. But then, at age 13, in late 1984, he contracted pneumonia, like, out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And it was then that he was diagnosed, because this was 84, they knew what AIDS was at this point, he was diagnosed with full-blown AIDS. Uh, he managed to recover from the pneumonia, Enough to be able to return to his school, Western Middle School in Russiaville, Indiana. But the school administration refused to allow him to attend, citing health concerns for other students. I remember all of this. So again, obviously stemming from the misinformation or lack of information about the disease at the time. Basically, the Reagan administration was contributing to this poor kid getting ostracized from his school. This also brought out the evangelicals in a huge way Mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, some... Some AIDS kids not going to go to my kid's school. They they were pulling kids out of... I mean, I remember all of this shit. Yeah. That's why I, th- I felt like he was the same age as me, but I guess he was not. Well, I imagine it being super impressionable, like... And he... Well, we'll let, let me... We'll finish sure. the story, too. Yeah. Um after a lengthy battle, and not just the administration, not, not just against the administration of the school, but against parents of the students who also didn't want Ryan White near their children, the school was legally compelled to allow Ryan White to attend. Yes, I mean, 
public education is a legal right in the United States for children. So yes, he had to be able to attend, which he did for the 1986 to 1987 school year. Now, in the meantime, research had been carried out and published in the New England Journal of Medicine that demonstrated that non-sexual contact, and obviously non-blood-to-blood contact, with people with AIDS carried a, quote, minimal to non-existent, end quote, risk of disease transmission. Finally beginning to nail down the mechanism of infection. So they were like, look, no, you can't get this from a toilet seat. You can't even really get it from kissing somebody with AIDS. Oh, from sharing a toothbrush, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, but there was so much. Yeah. Imagine the misinformation before the internet. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I mean, that's what this, that's what this was like. Uh-huh. It's like, what the fuck are you going to believe? Yeah. You know? So because Ryan White was sort of, he hadn't... This had nothing to do with, with Ryan White himself. Absolutely nothing. No. But but he had this all-American white kid image. Again, that's not his fault. Like that was, this kid didn't ask for this shit. It's easy but to, it's easy to market. It was easier to market. So he was embraced by many influential celebrities, including Michael Jackson. Sorry, I know that's gross. Um but um, but also Phil Donahue, Alyssa Milano, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. May I say most famously, hmm. Elton John. Okay, but I would say perhaps more famously, Ronald Reagan. I don't know. That's like, well, okay, yes. I, I I'll, think, I'll go with the president is definitely more influential than Elton John. I would say maybe. Any president, even even our current one. Yeah. <laughs> well, Elton John's a little insignificant at this point in his life, but you know. Um, so Ryan White's image really helped transform the public perception of a person with AIDS. So especially like, it's not always gay people. It's not otherwise sexually deviant people or drug users. I would say most notably so in how you can contract it. Yes. And because again, this idea of transfusions transmitting HIV is quote, like, oh, you're innocent like nobody everybody's innocent shouldn't contract AIDS it's or HIV it's just that everyone agreed even the most like um even the people right wing person understood that this kid didn't like there was zero behavior he voluntarily contributed anyway even those hardcore conservatives were like well he isn't a gay so I guess I guess we can get behind him exactly um and not in a gay way and because he also went back to school, he did demonstrate the lack of HIV transmission through casual contact. No one around him got HIV from him. I still, this this is really, I've not thought about this, but this is really bringing up, like, I remember seeing all the, this is back when the national news was the national news. Uh-huh. It's not what it is today. Right. This is when everybody was watching one of the three channels. Right. And I remember when this was going on, when he was trying to get admitted back into school, uh-huh. And not only initially the school district was like no, mm-hmm. but then when he did get the let back, the parents were like, "I'm not, kids out, yeah. I'm not letting my." And to a degree, I understand that to a degree because nobody, still nobody really knew the, and really understood. The main, the main group to blame about that would be. The Republican administration. Yes, because they, they not because they didn't even make an effort no, to inform try. people. No, they didn't even address it for yeah. so long. They could have 
Like, look, we don't know either. Let's quick do research on this Let's shit. all try to figure this out together. As quickly as possible, as soundly as possible. But no. And that, that, that wasn't even there. No. Yeah, there was nothing. So, Ryan White died of AIDS in 1990 at age yes. 18. I didn't know he was... He, he made it to adulthood, He still looked like he was 12, though. Well, I mean, he had AIDS. Yeah. So he was not... Maybe that's why I think... He, maybe that's why I think he was my same age. Yeah. But I did... But yes, he did... I... Uh, I want to say I was, like, in Florida, like, visiting my grandfather oh, wow, when this happened. Yes, I do. He would have been, like, 13. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, Elton John was one of his pallbearers. Yep. I remember that too. I'm pretty sure I was in Florida visiting yeah. my grandfather when this happened. It's one of those uh, memory, like things yep. that stick in your head. Well, he huh? was he was a poster child, literally. I guess I didn't see him that way. Mm. I saw him as a peer. That's what he looked sure, like. That's what yeah. he looked like to me. Yeah. Well, yeah. obviously, it's a wasting, horrible illness. So I'm sure yeah. it fucked with his growth and all sorts of things. I think that's why. I th- again, I think that's why I think that he was my age because yeah. he looked like he was, and but he wasn't. And poor kid, like he didn't ask for any of it. No, none of it. And handled it about as best. I mean, how are you going to tell? Okay, you're 12 years old. You have this d- disease that nobody knows about. You want to be the poster boy of it, and he yeah. kind of handled it. He, yeah, I, I mean, mean the, he befriended best, a whole bunch of celebrities. Yeah, because I mean, he handled it the he best way possible. He had to have had some good personality to go along yeah. with it, you know. So, in addition to Ryan White, many celebrities who came out publicly as having AIDS contributed to the destigmatization of the disease. Rock Hudson. Yep. Who you mentioned before, an American movie star. He was super popular in like the 50s and 60s. Doris Day was a frequent Ronald poster. Reagan personally visited when mm. he was on the runway in a private plane to go to a hospital in Mexico mm. that specifically was dealing with AIDS. Wow. Because uh, Reagan used to be an actor. Yep. And they were and coming was friends with him. At the same time. Yeah. Well, they were, they were friends. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, he was ironically known for his rom-coms with a woman, Doris yeah. Day, but he was not straight. Uh, he was the first celebrity to openly come out as having AIDS. Oh, really? I, did, yeah. I didn't know that. Yep, he okay. died in 85. Yes. Um, and now there's a litany of other celebrities who also died in the early days of AIDS with the varying visibility, admission, and advocacy, including my Freddie Mercury, who mm-hmm. he, he very much didn't want to be a poster boy for AIDS. He... They actually um, came out with a statement. His people came out with a statement that he had AIDS the day before he died from it. So he was not wanting to be. So he kind of took it to his grave. Everyone around, like his 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 inner circle knew. It was like an open secret. And and the press speculated and kind of nailed it down before that. But still. Um, uh, Anthony Perkins, the star of the original Psycho. Yep. Uh, Tennis player Arthur Ashe. Yep. Liberace. Yep. Who died of AIDS. Designers Perry Ellis and Halston. Two names that, like, you know the names of. I know of, Perry Ellis. But they're actual, actual people. You don't know Halston? I've, Halston's, I've, like, a major fashion house. I've had a Perry Ellis suit. Okay. And Studio 54 founder Steve Rebell. Yep. Mm-hmm. Also, and yes, you can go off on this for a little bit. <laughs> highly influential Gen Xer and early reality TV star Pedro Zamora of the real world San Francisco. For, I mean, for my generation, because he was only 22 when he, was he died. super young. I was 18 when he died. He's only four years older than me. And looking back at it now, when and now I remember when we did the first episode, mm-hmm. I went and looked up stuff on YouTube about it. Okay. I'm like, um, for my, well, not my generation, 
for people who were born around me, mm-hmm. like let's say from like 74 to like 81, mm-hmm. somewhere in that span, everybody knows him as, because he was the first day-to-day representation of somebody you saw living with AIDS. Yeah. He lived in a house with uh-huh. six, he lived in a loft. The <laughs> True story. Like the whole fucking stupid shit. I can't even remember. To see what happens when people stop, stop being polite, polite and, and start, start getting, getting real. real. The real world. <laughs> San Francisco. <laughs> but he was like the first day-to-day representation of... Somebody living with AIDS. Right. Not in a hospital? No, not, just yeah. somebody out there. Just yeah. somebody in the community. Just... You know, mm-hmm. and the whole thing, I remember like the first episode, like, I don't want to share a bathroom with them. Yeah. Came up with like a couple mm-hmm. of people. And again, well, that was the puck season. It was. Yes. <laughs> and but Rachel, he, but was he was not the only one. Rachel was mm-hmm. also not down She's with. She's super conservative. Yes, she was. Right? Um, but anyway, looking back on it and after watching some of those videos, like at that time, in my mind, 22 was old. Yeah. You know, because I was like 17, 18. Mm-hmm. Looking back at 22. Fucking 22. You're just a child still. And he was very open about it. And he did lectures all over the place. He He helped. Spread education. Exactly. Yeah. And didn't have to, wasn't forced to, Mm -hmm. decided to do it on his own. So for me, people around my age hold him in very high regard. He, He died while Clinton was president, right? Clinton called him. While he was dying. And and Clinton gave, like, a speech about him yes. when he died yes. and stuff. The Clinton... Okay, I have a lot of problems with Bill Clinton. But the mm-hmm. one thing that you cannot say about... He did address the problem of AIDS. He did. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, there were... That... Now, you can never underestimate the power of visibility in media. No. And Fuck that's no. why... That... Why people... Coming out as being HIV positive, which we'll get into more next week. We'll go into Magic Johnson and such. I do mention him here. But um, people who people loved, you know, like uh, people love celebrities, like actually have a genuine affinity towards them. Like when Carrie Fisher died. There's a a whole industry surrounded by love of celebrities, magazines. Well, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, like, when Carrie Fisher died, people were genuinely just like, oh, my God, like, yeah. personally affected, I right? felt that way. Yeah, and that's because you feel like you know these people yeah. on some level. It's, I mean, it's misguided, but it's still, we want to connect. We want to feel connected to people and to things so that when these people were dying of AIDS, People were starting to feel personally affected by it. And you need that. You need for people to feel personally vested in something. So that really started. You need that sense of attachment. Right. So that really started turning things around mm -hmm. a bit. Now, here's someone else who also played a huge role, especially internationally, when it came to destigmatization of AIDS Diana, Princess of Wales. Oh, that's right. That's she right. Was she was a big time. That's hugely right. influential. So she was an advocate for those suffering from AIDS, even in its earlier days. In 1987, she was photographed shaking the hands of a man with AIDS without wearing gloves. Which that's right. was like shocking at the time. Yes, that's so right. So in a world where people were saying you can like... You could get spit on your hands and then end up with AIDS and just weird shit like that. You can have a small little cut. Like The uh, princess of Wales literally 
the future at the time considered to be like the woman who would become the queen of England, literally, or I don't know how it works, <laughs> but you know, well, like well, her husband would become the king. Is the queen still alive? Yeah. Like, she's Elizabeth. still she's alive. She's like 90, but yeah. I think she's older than 90 at this point. No, no, I is think she... 90, 91, 92. She recently okay. had her 90th birthday, like yeah. within the past couple of years. So that is all to say but Princess her... Diana of Wales would still be waiting. <laughs> but, yeah, basically. Maybe, maybe that's why she got in the car accident. But to see somebody of, and her nickname was the People's Princess. People loved Diana. Yeah, so, I, I've kind of come around on her. Like the the whole. I mean, she was still fucked up the as whole, a person, but the a whole, little, but she had a lot the, of the good whole in her. royal. Di- like, I for the most part, I, I can kind of give a fuck. I but know. there is something about her. She, She's different. She, like, uh, to her credit, like even she wasn't one hundred percent sure you here you shaking her hands. You don't have to fucking do that. No. If you're if you're the princess of Wales, you could literally live in a hermetically sealed box for the rest of your life, and nobody's right. going to say otherwise. And and she didn't. She really advocated for people. So she actually continued her work for AIDS patients until her death in 1997 she was photographed and filmed multiple times showing physical affection towards people who were affected with aids children who were aids patients like hugging little kids who had aids and it was so impactful that it really started turning people's opinions around she was very pivotal in the acceptance and understanding and of aids that's part of the whole fight of this thing is it starts out as oh that's just a gay disease Think um think Starting of the thing, yeah. think of the amount of think of what it took to overcome that mm-hmm. that narrative. Yeah. Like if that's usually generally in the in the mass media, wherever a narrative starts, that's where it's going to end. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but that's, so yeah. So in the United States, Irvin Magic Johnson, very like basically shocked the nation by coming out. Publicly in a press conference, as I recall, yep, um, as HIV positive again, not AIDS. HIV to positive. this day, he still does Magic not. Johnson does not have AIDS. Mm-hmm. Um, he came out as HIV positive in 1991, 28 years ago, challenging perceptions. So many perceptions. He was actually very pivotal because it was surrounding <sighs> sexuality, mm-hmm. race. Everything. Um, cultural perception. He was not gay. Pri- privilege. Yeah, privilege. Um, talent. Um, a lot of very... Everything. Yes. Everything. To the point where I remember. I was... So I... Through most of 1991, I was six years old. <laughs> I true. remember yeah. Magic Johnson coming out as positive. So it was hugely pivotal. And also, Magic Johnson is kind of a nice little wrap up today because next week we're going to get into how after those perception changes started happening after research started happening we can move on from understanding the disease and testing for it into treating and potentially curing it and that's what we're going to get into next week and magic johnson is such a good example of that because he moves the needle well very positively but because we're literally talking, this is 28 years after he came out as HIV positive. You look at Magic Johnson today. He still kind of looks the he same. He doesn't look like an AIDS patient. No. <laughs> he is he is big and healthy and robust. He also doesn't look like somebody who's close to 70, which I'm pretty sure he is at is this point. Really? I think so. He, he was, was uh, in his 40s. He was still playing when he came he out as positive. He was 
he was a senior when he got drafted in 1979, meaning he was 21 or 22. He was only which is in 40 years. So he's okay. So he's so he's 60. 61 or 62. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. He's but not. But he's close still to 70. living a healthy. Oh yeah. Life he, looks fine. He ain't wasting away either. No. Which good for him. He is a clear picture of somebody who's healthy and living with HIV to a point where it's. I don't know that many people even think about him having HIV anymore. I think only our generation does. Yeah, basically. Our generations. So that's that's what we're going to get into next week where it is possible. In fact, it is more common now for people to live long, relatively healthy sure. lives with a, a virus and disease. Uh, well, with a virus that used to lead to a disease that would guarantee to kill you. Basically, and, and that was honestly that was really kind of the whole goal when I was growing up when this was going on was okay. How can we stop people from dying? To how can people live with this? And that's really and where we're we, at now. No, no, you know where we're at now. How can we get rid of this? Well, yes, we're, we've moved on to cure. But there are there aren't a whole lot of examples of that. There's well, like one no, or two. Spoiler alert: okay. We're getting close to effectively curing. Okay. Actually, we're basically already to effectively curing with viral loads and stuff. We'll talk about that next okay. week. But um, there's a lot of hope on the horizon, yeah. and the I mean, we're talking 30 years ago. Fucking night and day when it well, comes to just, where we used to be. Just think of the contrast of this one episode. It starts out very early mm-hmm. early on, the grid, the gay-related immunodeficiency. So it starts there, and then we get to Magic Johnson. Right, yeah. But we also need to address the disparity between um, oh, developed just, nations and oh, underdeveloped God, nations. Yeah. And who is affected and why, and the... Well, that's the institutionalized racism that's at play and just a lot of really unjust th- th- this this disease this virus encompasses so much about the socio-political economic race climate of our entire world there was a point in time in the mid 80s where they to- wanted uh um, hiv positive people to wear badges <laughs> Like fucking Jewish people yep. during the Holocaust, yeah. Yeah, because people. I, I mean, and, oh, that came out horribly. Not Jewish. I'm yes. not calling Jewish people fucking. No. I'm saying the fucking stupid way they they discriminate against Jewish people. Um, I don't. Oh think my god, you, I that don't just think sounded you, horrible no, for a second. I don't think you need to clear that up. Okay, just want to make sure. <laughs> love love our Jewish friends, just, just along with everybody else. And I think I'm, I'm pretty sure people cross. knew what you meant. I don't, I don't know, know why. why you're doing that either. <laughs> yes, I just I I was just like it's huh? my general like religious symbol, there fake religious symbol because I'm agnostic. I'm gonna go stand in the sun. <laughs> um, but yeah, this it, it's um for me this is how I grew up in it. I was for the most part of this, a little kid or a teenager, stuff like Mm. that. But how I remember this whole crisis, because I think it's also kind of accurate to call me and the people I grew up around in the years a little before and a little behind us, like Mm -hmm. the MTV generation. Yeah. It's a fair assessment because that's what we watched like all the time. Yeah. And guess who was one of the biggest advocates of AIDS prevention? Who? Was MTV. Oh, okay. Like wear condoms. Wear condoms. Like Like, it was like, I remember being like 14 and being like, whatever you do, wear a condom. Well, not only that, (laughs) like, do I want to have sex? Like, do do I even risk it? Yeah. Like, that was kind of drilled into your head. Of course, then you get a little older and like, yes, I do want to have sex. But (laughs) 
you know, but the yeah. whole prevention and condoms and all that, yeah. that was drilled into your head. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that that our generation was like the first one to have to like, there is a little sexual death happening, hmm. you know, before there was like, okay, you would get a venereal disease, right? Exactly. but you like but you'd get about, over it. Yeah. You know, yeah. this was not something you would yeah, get that's over. True. This was something that sent you to your grave. Right. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. so that's true. Yeah. You grew up during a very formative time of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, all of that is to say, fuck this whole fucking, like the, the political part of it is what I can't stop I thinking know, about. I know. I know. And that's why I think we should not go any further into it. Also, we might be setting a record for our longest <laughs> Jesus episode. <laughs> Christ. Have we really been? Wow. I okay. Know. It's such a big episode. Like this, I knew would be the meatiest. Um, next week, it's going to get a lot nicer because we're going to get to talk about all the good things that good people did a lot of good work surrounding this disease. And that we can't understate, you know, even during this time. In fact, more so during this time because of the courage it took to do it, um, that there have always been good people willing to step up, even in the face of uncertainty and discrimination. Um, and that's really encouraging. And that happened worldwide, obviously. Like I said, we concentrated well, we, on America, but I mean, still. we kind of have to because if we didn't, I mean, we'd be it's going our, into... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, is, our, it's, it's our, our relation to reference. it. Yes. You know, I, I get that. So um, definitely listeners from around the world can share their views of their Absolutely. country during this Absolutely. time that they're aware Please of. Please do. Yeah. Be very interesting to know, but all right. I'm ready to wrap it up if you are. I am. And that's Absolutely. what she said. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> That's a good way to end our AIDS episode. Wrap <laughs> it up. Sex, everybody. <laughs> so this has been another episode of All Bad Things. That was our second of three episodes yes. of the AIDS crisis. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week and... Know your exits.